Howdy there, folks. Tex of the Black Pants Legion here, and this is another episode of the BPL Podcast. I have a very special guest today and kind of a special subject matter, and we're just going to go from there. Um, sitting to my left is my good friend, one of my longest still living friends, uh, a man I've shared many interesting adventures with, uh, United States Marine Corps retired gunsmith times uh, how many years? How many years were you a gunsmith? Oh, four or five. Yeah. So four or five years is solid gunsmithing. Uh, a lot of fun times there. And uh, a wide wealth of experiences in between. Colorado's own native son, Mr. Steve. Hello. And sitting to his left is the man who followed Steve around uh, yesterday. I can't say where, uh, but that that was kind of fun. Uh, goat went and barted with Steve. And that was that was kind of a excellent, excellent thing to go see. So. That was fun times, but the Legion's own bard. Good day, sir. Hello. In sitting to his left, the man who makes the magic, the man who makes us sound tolerable, and the man who reminds <laughs> us that, yes, we are, in fact, all too human, Mr. Mike. Hello. So today I was going to realize and remark upon the fact that it is 20 years since 9-11, and typically we try not to cover a lot of events directly related to the real world. I have a very strong anti-political stance, but it's one of those things where I would rather focus my energies on fictional and funny and frivolous things that bring us together than, you know, very divisive politics. And so normally we try to stay out of the news and, and politics because the world is kind of too much sometimes. And I, I think we could all take a break now and then just to play like stompy robots or talk about like what fictional space emperor is the bad guy or, you know, something, something fun. Yeah. So it's been 20 years in Afghanistan. We typically try to not talk about politics in the real world because I find the frivolous, silly stuff is a lot more entertaining because the real world sucks and escaping it now and then is what D&D and all that other shit is for. Like. If the idiots weren't so shit, D&D &D wouldn't have been such a great thing. Like if the idiots were great, D&D &D wouldn't exist. So I, I, I just <laughs> that's that's the way I look at like bad times is I'm going, man, these are some bad times. I'm like, yeah, but we, you know, Microprose is back. <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's how I make my peace with it. I'm trying to see more balance in the world, you know. So, Steve, you are going to be the focus of the first part of this podcast. And I know you're, very, oh, no. I know you're a very private guy. Steve's a very shy guy. He's, he's a tall, thin, kind person who has this ability to shadow anybody wearing all the equipment known to man. And no one knows he's there. So Steve will have like two pockets full of like chiclets and a pocket full of quarters and still be able to walk up on you in full boots. And you'll not know he's there and he'll just go high. And and he's not trying to do it. It's just Steve has. It's kind of like American Ninja. He's. Got I the remember ninja. you got mad at me one time. Yeah. Well, not mad, but like I walked up behind you and said something, and you just kind of flinched and was like, "How the how do you walk up behind me with combat boots on?" Yeah, it's Steve's. Steve's a sneaky boy. But the thing is, is that you had joined the Marines in two thousand. Yeah, I signed up towards the end of 2000, but left for boot camp in January 2001. Right. So tell me about 9-11, the day 9-11 and why it's so kind of weird to you. It was uh, my graduation day from Marine Corps Security Forces, uh, their training company. 
Uh, it's an anti-terrorism unit in the Marine Corps, not base security like Air Force security forces. And at first, when they came up and told us that a plane had crashed into one of the World Trade Center towers, uh, we were like, is this a joke? Like, is this a prank they pull on graduating classes to make us think we're going to war? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. But it was weird because, like, we're all dressed up in uniform, ready for our little graduation ceremony. And, like, 20, 30 minutes after it's supposed to start, the training company CEO comes up and he's still in PT gear and tells us about a plane crashing into the first tower. And then just walks right back out of the room, like doesn't really explain anything or give us any further details. Just like, this is what's happening and walks out. Comes back up a little while later, tells us the plane crashed into the second tower. They're pretty sure it's a terrorist attack. And again, doesn't really give us any detail and just walks out of the room. Uh, after a while, uh, he and the uh, first sergeant come back up in uniform. They rush through the little graduation ceremony. Uh, all our sea bags are packed up outside the barracks because we were going to leave the ceremony, grab our shit, get on a bus, go to the airports, and go to our units. And they just told us to put our bags back into the wall lockers, pull out a pair of camis, go to the armory. We're setting up security. So like my first two weeks after 9-11, I spent so much time on post and sleep, post and sleep, that in that first two weeks, I probably watched like maybe two or three hours of news. Yeah, so that that had to have been just wild to be kind of separated from any facts or relevance and just going onto a war footing right out of a graduation. Yeah, and like a couple of weeks later, they finally uh, graduate another class. They take over security there, and they are able to send us to our duty stations. And we show up, and you know they're pretty much on the same footing. Uh, they had little bunkers around the barracks with machine gun positions, and had all those uh, set up and manned and it's just really weird i can imagine because we were in the middle of a navy base and we're like we're guarding it from the navy personnel just, <laughs> <laughs> just like what are you gonna do like dig in and shoot the cbs i mean gonna gonna shoot the pretzel guy i yeah. mean that's just must have been weird do you do you think that that was like a knee-jerk reaction from marine command saying something has to be done well, we were anti-terrorism, so it was you know sec security and defending course, things yeah. from you know terrorist attacks was our thing. So it, since it immediately after that raised to a very high level of attack, like we were just on maximum footing for security for, with everything we were doing at that point. Yeah, and I th I think that's kind of interesting to see even in America that sort of reaction, not just all bases overseas, but in America. And so the thing is, is it wasn't much longer that you found yourself in Afghanistan. Well, my security forces, uh, that was a, a two-year billet. Yeah. And then I finished out my four years, you know, a year and a half or so in an infantry unit. And they, uh, of course, they sent me to one that needed, you know, a handful of more bodies to fill out numbers so they could go on their deployment. So it was just, I showed up in the very end of their training cycle and build up for deployment was like, missed all of the skill building stuff. And they were doing <laughs> the dog and pony stuff to... To, so all the generals could check their check boxes. Oh no! So it was like I showed up uh, as a E4. I'd been doing security for two years. My only infantry experience was school of infantry two years prior, and now I'm a NCO and a team leader, and I'm expected to lead infantry Marines. And they're just like, "You don't know what you're doing." I'm like, "I know I don't know." <laughs> I'm relying on you guys. So so put into the infantry and sent into Afghanistan. Yep. So, so what is your first impression of Afghanistan? 
Uh, it was rocky and dusty and all the mountain ridges were broken. And I'm assuming that's mostly from Russian bombardment. Yeah, they, they tended to have a hands-on approach when it came to uh, policy and airstrikes. They they went very Curtis LeMay on portions of uh, that country, yeah. Other than that, I mean, there were some places, some of the valleys that were really beautiful. Yeah. Um, I, I think walking through rural Afghanistan, they were probably the freest people I'd ever seen in my life. Free in what way? Like, they didn't have a whole lot of, uh, like, you know, some places didn't have electricity except for like maybe like one building in town and but there was nobody telling them how to live their lives like it was just their small community they worked with their neighbors to you know do what the community needed but other than that they were just free to do whatever they wanted and we were coming in and kind of disrupting that but like they just had a nice simple life and they really didn't have people from other areas telling them what to do or take things from them so what what was your general impression of being this person who, you know, from Colorado and then spend some time in various installations in the U.S. and then in Afghanistan? I mean, what were you feeling when you were there? I don't know. <laughs> and that's, that's <laughs> it was fair. a long time ago. Well, sure. Um, it was just kind of a strange place, like a very different lifestyle, very different environment than I was used to, you know, like. Most of the places I went to had no paved roads at all. Yeah. Like uh, when I got medevaced back and it hit Germany and looked out the back of the ambulance from the airport, it was just like, holy crap, there's pavement and sidewalks. I've seen those <laughs> so, in a while. That yeah, that must have been jarring. I've, I've heard a lot of experiences of people who said it's like going to the moon. It's, it's desolate. It's empty. It's wide open and you can see the stars forever. Yeah, uh, this night sky was definitely cool. Yeah, I can uh, imagine. When the nearest electric light bulb is like 500 miles away. Yeah, that's got to be eerie. That's that, Especially for people in the first world, just to imagine being that far from an electric light bulb. Not not even <laughs> civilization, just bulb. Yeah, and there were no chairs. I, I think the only chairs I saw in country were ones that we brought with us. Wait, what? Like everywhere I went through in Afghanistan, like there were no chairs. People just squat. Hmm. That's that's kind of alien to say to an American, because if if you if you say to an American, like you can't go to a Walmart without there being chairs somewhere, <laughs> you know, you you can't you can't go anywhere without there being a place to sit. Yeah, like Walmart has benches. Every, everywhere has a chair. Parks have chairs. Walk a hundred feet down a, a street, and you'll find two or three places where you could sit down. Yeah, I I think that's kind of interesting bring your own <laughs> just just bring your own so um i was gonna ask when when you interacted with the locals what was your general general takeaway from that uh i think most of them were as confused about us as we were of them <laughs> so just like two alien cultures meeting for reasons unknown yeah like at one point i uh was sitting security outside of uh, this guy's house waiting for the rest of my unit to come work their way to that point and search through no and this guy had his wife uh boil up some coffee and he came over and said we sat down and we had some coffee and a couple pieces of candy and neither one of us could speak to each other we couldn't understand each other we just kind of sat there quietly enjoying a cup of uh, tea together yeah well i mean that's nice it's kind of a weird surreal moment i can imagine but i mean was it good? Yeah, it was an enjoyable moment. I, I still, you know, it still stands out in my memory 20 years later. Well, 16 years later. Well, yeah. I mean, and 
the thing I wanted to ask is with the span of time and the memories you had and, you know, the, the trauma you suffered, especially with getting out of Afghanistan, you know, being it, not many people can say they were blowed up um, and, and, and still walk and, 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 and kind of bounce back, though. Well, luckily, it wasn't an IED. It was just a combat engineer and me being stupid. Yeah. So, I mean, you can tell that story if you want. Uh, searching through a house, I found like a eight, 10 pound bag of gunpowder. You know, the combat engineer was in the room with me. So kind of chokingly, I hold it up like, Hey, do you think this is gunpowder? And he's like, I don't know. Let's find out. And pours a little <laughs> pile on the floor and I hand him my lighter and he lights a piece of paper and drops it on the pile and it goes poof. And the sparks from that ignited the whole bag that happened to be sitting at my feet. Oh, so it was just two guys who like fire. Like, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> fire <laughs> and, and then you know yeah i got hurt for that yeah it's you said the explosion in the room was so big it like lifted the guys on the roof yeah like it bowed up the roof uh one or two of the guys on the roof almost got knocked off uh anybody that was within like 30 or 50 feet of the of that room actually got knocked on their ass yeah and i mean it's it's remarkable that you survived man yeah, especially those few injuries as I actually had. Yeah, and it's the thing is, but I was in, I didn't get hit with a blast because I was kind of inside of the concussion chamber. <laughs> so you're like, I'm right where I wanted to be, ground zero. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wound up with some second degree burns. Yeah, and it's 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 just kind of kind of nuts, but. It's it's really weird that you were there at the beginning of Afghanistan and then to think that all of the things in your life that have happened later in the intervening years, the the triumphs and the good times and the bad and the friendships you've made and all, all the roads you've walked. And then just recently, they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're now pulling out. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm still kind of trying to figure out how I feel about pull out. Like, I'm glad that it's over. I'm glad they pulled out, but uh, the whole thing's been kind of a shit show from the beginning. Yeah, I mean... So I guess it's kind of fitting that pulling out is as much of a shit show as the rest of it. Well, Afghanistan is the graveyard of empires for a reason. And it's it's like Alexander the Great, Genghis Khan. Uh, it, you've You've got the Ottomans. You've got the British. You've got the Russians and us and... Everyone has tried to make that place bend its knee in some way or another, and it kills them in some way or another and makes them leave. And it's it's just there's some places where you just don't fight, and that's <laughs> one of them. Like Southeast Asia is another one. Uh, Russia, in general, just don't. There's There's some places you just don't invade. Yeah, at the time I really wasn't paying any attention to anything politically well of course not i mean i i'm saying this from the perspective of a 37 year old dude who's watched the past 20 years go by really strangely so i mean it's this is this is an easy win for me remember when we first started hanging out like 15 years ago yeah uh we kind of joked sometimes about being in the wrong era because it was just seemed kind of boring it yeah that was oh my god 
I remember those fucking words. Yeah, it was it was like this is boring. And then we have 20 years later where it's like America go home. America please wash your hands. America please don't take all the toilet paper. America please don't take horse dewormer. <laughs> it's it's it and and it's gotten to the point where I read the news and just start laughing hysterically because I I sit there and I watch these things that happen that are like in any other context would be a tragedy. Yeah, like earlier this morning, Goat caught me uh, with the uh, satire news, and I was like, "Oh shit, this is happening!" And he's like, like looks at it, and he's like, "Oh, this is satire." It's it's just hard. weird that well, that's, at a glance you can't really tell well, the difference anymore. That's, that's what Mike said about the Onion. It, he said, "Like, yeah, if you would please repeat the point, Mike, because I think it's beautiful." Um, the Onion basically lost a lot of uh, business because they can't make shit up anymore. It just yeah, it happens. Well, and that's that's the thing is like I'm they not... would make up a news story and then people are like really and they're like no it's fake and they're like next day every other news site yes this is actually happening and they're like we no we don't want to become <laughs> the Simpsons you yeah. know Onion did it yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh no it's, it's maybe the, uh, maybe the onions the reason all this is happening we're paying for it well in that's I, I do remember that though the, the, the past 20 years have been absolutely batshit bonkers because i've watched things that i never thought would happen and by the way uh speaking of never thought would happen uh an app that mike uh is that, it's, not, it's not just an app it's like the whole uh, okay caboodle. so mike had a choice uh mike went for your birthday, I had a choice between a very nice coffee pot, which, you know, had all kinds of nice features, right. or for the same price, a self-heating coffee mug. Right. And, and so, I, I was like, well, that's just weird, and I'm interested, and I think, you know, the coffee pot, by somebody in appliance, yeah, it's nice, but everyone gets those. And I'm like, but who gets some a coffee mug that just... It's a self-heating coffee mug that has an app I have to use to heat uh, or chill it, it keeps I guess. it keeps the coffee warm that's the idea so anyways i have to download this app uh i, yep. I put it in it interfaces with the phone i put in cold tea like room temperature 70 yep. degree tea into this fahrenheit and uh, yeah and fahrenheit well it's not going to be kelvin like if i said 78 yeah. celsius yeah i just put some some room temperature 78 celsius that's where we keep yeah. our house 78 kelvin yeah i know, I know but you have Three a lot of grays, you have a lot of people magma. who are going to uh say like oh is that in freedom degrees yeah it's in burger units because yeah. we put people on the moon yes and the rest of you have health care or whatever anyways so here's <laughs> here's the thing um <laughs> there are people who think I'm serious on that one. Oof. So here's the thing. Uh, we put it in at the start of the podcast. It was like, it was 71. Yeah. No, at the start of the podcast, it was 76, 77. It was mm -hmm. fluctuating at that point. As of right now, it is 131 degrees. Nice. And, and it is dying on its battery. <laughs> so what's it's a battery at it. It says you need to recharge. So I'm, I, I have to pair my oh battery is at six percent all right take a sip all right tell me tell me how this tastes now it has um with this app with this this app and this technology that is running in the background and now draining my phone's battery um no it's not i'm, I'm just making a joke um so it has basically all of this technology and all of this wonder, wondrous advance in technology has basically done the equivalent of 30 seconds in the microwave. Yeah. 
It's meant for you to keep the tea warm. I, I know. I know. I, I'm just saying as, as a test, it's interesting because I know that raising a liquid above uh, every degree requires like. So much power. Yeah, so much power. So I'm thinking, okay, this was at 100%. No, it wasn't. It was at 70. Oh, so 70% to 6% and however many minutes we've been running. About uh, 35 uh, 35 to 40 minutes. All right. So, and then it manages to heat a liquid, like I would say a cup and a half of liquid. Mm -hmm. Someone do the math on this. Let's figure out how strong this battery is. Well, and the thing is the battery wouldn't drain if you actually put in a liquid that it was at the temperature of oh of course so it so it can actually cycle it yeah well it's not only that it's if 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 i pour in a temperature that's at a liquid of 98 degrees like body temperature like you know just comfy sleepy yeah. tea and then i tell it to hold that that's going to require no energy really no, it's going to like kick on when it feels like it's going down it's going to do the hot water heater thing it's yeah. going to be like click 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 fortunately it doesn't make any noise yeah oh my god could you imagine my my mug is talking to me <laughs> No, yeah. um, I, I, no, I, I fully admit taking this mug and, and making it boil the thing was just a meme, but I'm pleasantly surprised it was actually able to do that. Is it actually hot? Yeah, it is. It's, it's the equivalent of like zapping it in the microwave for like 30 to 40 seconds, okay. which with, which with one mug of tea is scalding. Uh, so it's, it's pretty good. I, I think this is an interesting experiment. Yeah. Now, now we just got to now we just got to figure out if we can use it all the time. Now we now we just need to figure out if we can take it to negative 40. Yeah, that's a bit bit much for that mug I think. No, we will engineer away. Yeah. So, yeah, the speaking of the just last 20 years, I mean, guys, what do you guys remember the last 20 years standing out? Has it been a blur for anyone else? Well, no, because I I came out of childhood into adulthood over the past 20 years oh um i'm 26 at the time of this podcast let's see yeah you were 17 i was 14 yeah i was six yeah like yeah i was on the west coast i just woke up and my dad told me don't you're not going to school today and i was like okay cool and i didn't question it and i don't remember it i don't remember anyone talking about it at 9 11 in school afterwards and I never really understood what the event was or the significance of it until like five years later. When by the time I was living in Brazil, and I just walked in on my dad watching like a video, like something on YouTube memorializing it. So and he that explained that, it to me. That many years later was when you were like, "Oh, yeah, that was a big thing." Yeah, and yeah. like three years later, by the time I'd moved to Brazil and people gave and i was the american kid and people gave me shit for being american uh, during throughout the whole fucking bush administration like it was bad i couldn't talk in english on the street because <laughs> they were like ah america bombing countries or yeah not I so mean, much on the street but i mean like in school and stuff um so what were they mocking american foreign policy or it, and it was like it, it was just stupid shit because these were all like kids age like 8 to 12 well yeah but i'm wondering what is their takeaway as a child what do they see through their eyes they see oh america's you know bombing other countries america's trying to control the rest of the world that's the shit i remember but a, a lot of it wasn't even like meaningful anything about policy it was literally just america bad they're kids. Yeah. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's, that's that's why I asked, like, what is the child's perspective? Because a, a, a child's perspective is going to echo their parents' perspective. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's exactly. I was just yeah. about to make that same point. So, so that's that's why you ask. Because if you see all the kids say, we don't like something, a kid doesn't fucking know what they like. Yeah. 
But that shows the family and social group it grows up in, and it can let you know, like, hey, this is kind of the will of the people in this area. Like, this is what flies and this is what doesn't. This is what they approve of. This is what they don't approve of. And you won't get that going to the people in question, but you'll see their family or what have you, and they kind of stay along those lines or those viewpoints. Pretty much uh, what I was doing was just I was at home, and it was on the I was uh, at that point. Uh, we had been pulled out to do homeschooling and I was just at home and getting ready to just do my normal schoolwork. And they're all, my uncle was just like, well, they attacked the towers in New York City. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, they. Like- yeah. And then he changed the channel to sports. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Priorities, man. Yeah. yeah. The other He thing- watched it. Well, he had been watching it. To be fair, he'd been watching it for like the last hour. And he's like, well, nothing's changing. And then just turn the channel because he also realized like. You know, I'm 14. My brother's like 12, 13, and my sister's like uh, 10. So it's like you have these kids in here. He's like, well, this isn't good for the kids to watch. And so he did the the adult thing and changed the channel to something that we won't be interested in. So we'll leave the house, yeah. which is exactly what he did. He liked to do a lot when we'd come home and he just be like, oh, they're coming home. Puts on Sports Center or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And and then we just leave because yeah. we want to go outside more than watch sports. We were not sports kids at all. Yeah. The other thing that happened in my family on 9-11 was my mom got her American citizenship. <laughs> so oh, my God. We were in we're in the West Coast. So you know, nothing happened there. But she drives out. And, you know, I only I wasn't there with her. She told me about this years later. Nobody's on the road. Um, she gets there at the courthouse. And there's supposed to be this whole ceremony where, you know, like U.S. Marines, uh, you know, do the ceremony with a flag. No, it's just like a couple of dudes in dress blues just like pick up a flag and move it from one stage to the other. Like they just rush it. And then like the judge's assistant, because the fucking judge wouldn't show up because he was scared. Just like yeets all the papers into a crowd. <laughs> My mom like grabs one out of the air. She has like this Chinese lady. She swaps it with the Chinese lady for her papers and then just drives home. And it was like this whole thing where, you know, she'd been living in. She'd been in the U.S. since the late 80s when she went to grad school. Um, you know, and by this point, she had like permanent residence and shit like that. But, you know, over 10 years of residents in the U.S. and, you know, working through the system and there's, you know, and, and being, you know, earning that. And it's just now nah, they just rush through it. Yeah, it, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, I, I was in I was in school and it was they were like, send everyone home. And all the school buses are like, what if the planes hit us? And it's like, this is Texas. Like, if if something's going to fly into something here, they have to get through, like, the National Guard and the 800,000 guys with rifles right now. Yeah, we're, we're very like, excited and watching TV. Yeah, or, or like, even if they tried to hijack something, it'd be like a Southwest Airlines flight. Yeah, I mean, like, tell so, me about that. You're yeah, telling me yeah, about, yeah, like, well, what the Southwest Airlines flights, it's, th- there was that case where the guy's like, I'm going to kill the pilots, and he just runs up there, and everyone just beats the shit yeah. out of the guy. And what the, but the takeaway from that is it's like, yeah, I get what you're saying before we get into like eight tangents but it's like there's some places where you wouldn't want to try to pull shit yeah because people there are just they don't like the guy from the next town over so they're not gonna they're not gonna let you pull anything you're not even from this country yeah the flight attendant just yeeted a pot of scalding coffee in the guy (laughs) then somebody said let's go cowboys and elbow dropped him like it was a wrestlemania well and the thing is is it's like there's some places where it's like people are just looking for a fight yeah and it, Southwest Airlines, God, you're packed in there like sardines, and you're just like, Ugh. yeah. It's it's an 
unpleasant flight. I mean, you'll get there, right? But you're not going to be the guy, or no one's going to allow you to be the guy who makes it a more unpleasant flight. Right, exactly. That's what I mean. Is like if if you're on a Greyhound bus and some guy gets up and starts yelling, the driver's not going to say anything when you beat that guy to death. They're mm-hmm. they're just going to say like, oh, oh yeah. he went quiet. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> he went quiet or what passenger? I don't know what you're talking about. Like they that guy. That's how that shit gets solved. There's some places you don't fuck around. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, the last 20 years has just been fucking bonkers. So I think that I wanted to ask you these questions, Steve, just to ask if you've made any more sense of it than I have, having been there. Uh, You probably know a lot more and have been able to make a lot more sense of it than I have. So the correct answer is that nobody knows and everyone should just kind of sit there and think about it. Yeah, hopefully you all find a way to process through it, whatever it is. Right. And well, that's the takeaway is you sit there and you look online and people are like, here's what I would have done. And here's what I would have done. And I'm like, no. Yeah, I'm just going to process through things and hopefully just find a way to accept it is what it is. You know, I mean, you you said something beautiful the other day, Steve. You said you want to go back to Afghanistan as a tourist. Yeah, at some point I'd like to go like hike through some of the areas I'd been to and some of the villages I went through. Yeah. You know, I, I like I've seen some of the uh Vietnam vets go back through uh North Vietnam doing like a motor uh motorcycle tours or something through the areas that they had been through. Yeah, and talking with their former combatants and, you know, just healing and, you know, having fun as well. Oh, I mean the new Talib the current present day Taliban guys seem like they're a lot of fun. They're posting Sneed and shit on Twitter. Okay, what, <laughs> let's let's qualify that statement. Not quote the Taliban looks kind of fun. In quote Black Pants Legion podcast. <laughs> the, let the Black Pants Legion podcast has a has a fucking Afghan war vet on and is like the Taliban seems kind of fun. What's up with them? <laughs> no, the thing is, and this is something you pointed out, Goat. The guys there are Taliban fighters now who don't know what al-qaeda or what the bin laden years were even like yeah i mean everyone who was who was there like on the field when steve was there are dead or gone or in leadership or something but it's 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 so it's it's one of those things where you look at the taliban is on twitter and i was remarking that what the fuck? And Steve is like, yeah, their memes are pretty great. And then Goat's like, hell yeah, they are. Let, let's look at the Taliban's Twitter. And we're just all sitting here grading the Taliban's memes. And I'm like, some of these are really good. Like, this, this is good shit posting. Yeah, they're surprisingly good at it. it it's definitely going to give the Taliban a, a good PR amongst the uh, Afghans. Zoomers. Zoomer. They're 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 trying to appeal to like Zoomers. They're, that's their ideas. They're they're trying to appeal so like in twenty thirty years they can be like Vietnam is now. Yeah, no, in like, twenty thirty years the U.S. president was was following their Twitter account when he was a teenager. Yeah, probably. They, they're hoping. They're hoping to try to try to reach out more which is kind of interesting rather than doing the north korea thing uh where it's just like we are the hermit kingdom and we don't talk to the outside world that's that's kind of interesting because that that historically has been the case of they have remained in that part of the world and that is their domain and they exercise control there but communication much outside that domain has been historically limited but now they're engaging on a global sphere in a very Mm -hmm. interesting way and I, I think that's kind of a nice takeaway. 
it's interesting <laughs> it's no i'm not saying i like it um no, but, I, I definitely and, and don't this, really like a lot of what in, they do but yeah and we're not we're definitely not endorsing their, the taliban their, yeah uh, or, or their you know policies or anything like you don't that. you don't have to endorse the taliban to say they have nice taste in pickups right yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's i i every afghan war vet i have met has had nothing but nice things to say about the toyota hilux <laughs> like they're like i wish we had those yeah, I, I would buy one yeah it's like they're like what well, the f- fucking war over there is crazy but man that that hilux is a hell of a pickup they <laughs> ford through rivers run over shit like we're all like unloading out of the humvees so that just the driver can take it across the river just in case something goes wrong <laughs> only one guy will get injured yeah and then meanwhile the the <sighs> the ana guys are just like rolling through the no one gets off the truck they just floor it and roll right through the river yeah because they brought the right vehicle to the right war zone they they didn't bring break down all the time so you just be in a convoy and just like one humvee would just pull off to the side of the road and smoking or something and everybody would just roll past it and a couple of the tail vehicles would stay with them yeah and it's it's one of those things where people think humvees are fucking great and i'm like if you look at any other vehicle that any other nation uses off-road you'll realize one these vehicles were not built in the 80s and designed in the 80s they change with time so they actually have small creature comforts and modularity and a lot of a lot of really neat things like unimog is not the same thing it was in 1960 yeah. uh and if you look at like what unimogs can do where you can take like five tons straight uphill it's amazing but yeah humvees are not great um so next question let's let's just bounce into a what if because that is that is the next thing i love to do just for free thinking so one of the things that i was talking with steve about this morning was and i do want to go down the line and let everyone just kind of have a whack at it let's say instead of the standard what if of someone being the king of a country because everyone says oh if you were the king of america or if you were the president of america what would you do if you were the magical person in power so i said let's do a different what if what if you were the king of an absolutely tiny micro nation like Liechtenstein? you like king ralph are approached and appointed as the high divine ruler of Liechtenstein. what what would you do with that limited but absolute power do we have international recognition yeah no you're then i would force myself into every like major event between major world leaders and just insert myself into that and just start making a scene so so i would like third like all those big meetings where it's like oh you know president so-and-so is going to be meeting putin and they're going to be talking about you know like say there's like some cuban missile crisis issue or something like that you know, oh, president of Gotistan will arrive there too. And just <laughs> so, start sitting in on these meetings and saying just weird, just saying weird shit. So what you're saying is you want to just charge in third party. Yes. Three wheel things. I, I want a third wheel. Every, all, every geopolitical major. major so, yes. so you're saying the G20 summit happens. They don't invite you of course yeah but go to you know they they always hosted and go to stand because of like tax breaks or whatever so you show up anyways yeah you're like oh i'm the host yeah i like, a tuxedo yeah i'm gonna and just nikita khrushchev all of the u.n security council meetings <laughs> just in the middle of them yeah okay this tea is actually remarkably hot now 
I'd do something like a undercover boss, just like pretend to be a commoner and go get like a normal job somewhere and just live along. And then- Dude, your face is on the fucking money. You can't just be <laughs> undercover boss when you're like, hello, it is me, normal person. Just do the Clark Kent thing. I don't really like popularity or being the center of attention, so I'd constantly be trying to hide in the background and not be noticed. Yeah, but this is a thing of like no choice. It, like you're you're the king. Yeah, I'd hate it. Yeah, but it's a tiny country, so it would be like being the mayor of a town of 100 people. It wouldn't be terrible, per se, but everyone knows where you live. I'd still be terribly uncomfortable with the whole thing. Yeah, they're like, okay, the president will now make a life, or the king will now make a live speech on TV, and they just turn on the thing, and it's you staring into it. You're like, hi. I don't really have much to say. (laughs) They made me come up here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that kind of sums up uh most things steve parliament's doing good i think <laughs> no one's been at my door mad about it lately so hooray you're like someone keeps stealing my milk i'd like that to stop <laughs> <laughs> so mike what would you do as the ultimate ruler the king of a micronation um i'd probably uh have some sort of industry or something i don't know like what kind what I mean, whatever's available. I mean, I just looked up Liechtenstein because I don't even I didn't even know what it was. It's it's, it's like one of the world's richest fucking countries. Yeah. Well, um, and I, I was like, oh, it's it's one of those kind of places. And well, yeah, it's a uh, 61 square miles of just in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah. And if I was a uh, you know, if I was somebody in the middle of there, I, I would be more worried about how we get supplies and well, it's, and, it's, and, and it's, logistics because that's like kind of a, important if you're going to run a town for any length of time you're going to want food and water and electricity well, Liechtenstein is on a nexus of major highways and byways yes it's, it's become massively rich as a banking center mm-hmm. and a finance center and um they're just a tiny little kind of former confederation of the ryan city state that everyone just continued to acknowledge for reasons and it's still there so they they do have a king uh or rather a prince because it is a principality but as prince of Liechtenstein, i mean you could do a lot of fucked up but kind of funny things like you know i don't i don't have anything like there's nothing i can think of that would be fucked up or funny by it i'd be like well this sucks. I'm just going to talk to the nearest nation. Be like, hey, do you want to buy us? <laughs> so you go to, <laughs> so you try to sell yourself to like Switzerland. I'm like, no, I just buy the land. I'm like, hey, look, 61 square miles of fucking land. It's pretty real estate. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, well, what? Like, well, if I'm the, if I'm the king of it, I'm like, yeah, sell to me. I'll go and retire on that and be like, have fun with that. Let the, like, you'd want to be a part of a bigger country. I just want to tell the people, like, trust me, you want to be a part of a bigger country. So, so you would go on the platform of, uh, like <laughs> you go on the platform of trying to flip Liechtenstein. Like you're, you just go like, okay, everyone, we need to put a lot of work into our houses and clean up because we are between the Swiss and the Austrians and we need to have them buy us. So we need to see who can offer the most. We're going to have them. Yeah. We're going to show the country instead of show the house. We're going to mm-hmm. show the country. I want those cows in that pasture clean. I want. <laughs> and to be fair, um, you know, it, it would have to be like at least, Probably somewhere in the realm of like the lowest I'd go is fifty billion. That that's lowest. Oh, so you're just you're just coming up with a number, mm-hmm. and you're saying buy the principality of Liechtenstein. Lowest will go is fifty, but we're not going to tell them that. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> All right. So porn stars but for countries yeah and and the thing is i would tell them that and then i'd also tell my people like you get 10 percent of whatever we make for every person here oh so you're cutting them in on it yeah all right i'm not selling the people fuck that that's not you can't do that yeah it's illegal that's that's pretty bad (laughs) no i'm I'm gonna tell them like hey whatever you get will give 10 percent to to the nation tax-free because i'm not the once they buy it it's like then now that's there you you're part of whatever they're doing like, you're now part of whatever the best um, best speech ever by an outgoing head of state you are now part of whatever they're doing yeah <laughs> i didn't do any research i don't know what switzerland's doing i'm no. just gonna leave <laughs> i know i'm gonna I, get I, in a helicopter and fly uh, away for reference if we got the low ball of 50 billion um and you distributed 10 percent of that to the population that's over 125,000. Uh, U.S. dollars for every every person in the country. Yeah, that's a nice payday. Pay yeah. So so operation. Most of the people who live in Liechtenstein are probably way, way more than that, but you know what I mean. And most of them will probably continue to live where they are, and nothing will change other than their bank account. Yeah, they're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, the GDP per cap capita is a hundred and forty three thousand yeah no, dude i i'm gonna uh, that's gonna be my speech i'm gonna get in a helicopter and fly away like nixon like i'm out of there <laughs> <laughs> you're now part of whatever they're doing yeah that's it S- bye <laughs> just gone you're like what what no oh and then you get i'm like the checks are in the mail don't worry the about checks it. are in the mail <laughs> yeah and then i'll move to uh iceland or something they they would throw you out. Why? I, Iceland's tricky to get into. Steve's I could sister. Pay for it. I just bought a. I just sold my country. I can get into Iceland. Yeah, but they're weird. They're they'll they'll like you'll come in there and they'll be like, you're different. I am. Yeah, but he'd. I probably have like the money and popularity and influence, or at least yeah, notability anyway. If not popular, I would go on their local news. You go on the okay. So I go on the Icelandic open yeah. and, and happy when like famous people come and visit and. And visit then, yeah, yeah well yeah like japan visit do not stay leave <laughs> <laughs> keep moving <laughs> keep moving oh yeah you like our you like our shit here yeah that's cool anime oh yeah you love that we love it too good how long are you staying yeah that's right you're leaving on that day i heard um, some patients and lawyers i think it would be pretty easy yeah. maybe I, there's some countries that are beautiful but like if you try to stay there they become very unfriendly <laughs> so I mean, they yeah. did let my sister stay there so it can't yeah, be oh. that hard yeah well that's well, fair she's fun she's fun her, uh her ex-husband's uh parents did get her some lawyers and help out and that's that's what i've heard is like uh iceland's hard to get into i know new zealand's hard to get into because there's there's like even famous people go to new zealand and they're like no <laughs> and they're like but i'm famous i'm a i'm an actor and i and they're like no yeah i would offer them resources or full cunt yeah, yeah no, no that's the thing it's like no country is willing to turn down resources that easily they're gonna have at least a talk about it well yeah ask ask the marcoses uh from you know the absolute absolute shad dictators of the philippines where they're like okay we're leaving with all the money and they just leave with all the money and countries are like oh that's I, terrible you can do stay to, here that's what i'm gonna do to new zealand when they were like no and i'm like oh, i guess i'll just take all these uh wonderful desalination factories with me anyway have do a good just one walk around with those oh yeah i could just pop them up like pods you know like in just, command and conquer yeah, just fold them up i I'm just, I just I'm like imagine. before i go have a did you guys like that water yeah that was from my uh 
factories. Anyway, I'll see you guys later. I just imagine Mike trying to bribe the New Zealand government, but easy. No, I, I just imagine that you're take, like take whoever's the head of state out to dinner. You know, just hang out with them, play take, some, play some GameCube. You take, know, take the head of state out to dinner, and you're like, <laughs> okay, Mike's sitting there, and he goes, well, um, Prime Minister. I would like to uh, live in your fair island country. I've fallen in love with it ever since I saw Lord of the Rings. And uh, the making of cemented it for me. Yeah. And and you you tank out of your bag, and it's a lot of exertion. Like, you're like... <laughs> as you put, like, an obvious gold ingot on the table, and you're, like, pushing it across the table, and it's pulling, like, the tablecloth and everything. Yeah. And it's yeah. really loud. And and you cover it with a newspaper to act like it's not there. Yeah. And everyone's watching. <laughs> They're just... The fucking press is there. Yeah, I'm like... And, and yeah, the waiter comes over and I'm like, here's your tip. Ooh, put it on the plate, then I cover it with a napkin. <laughs> Half-assedly. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, and you're, you're just I like... I just sold a country. Of course they're going to let me in. And they're going to be like, oh, well, these desalination factories don't seem like they work really well. I'm like... Blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? Australia I'm needs retired. water. <laughs> Australia needs water. Oh, wait. There's some islands around New Zealand. I could just buy one of those. I'll be out there going, hey... Fuck you! You wouldn't let me in. Now I'm over here. So you're gonna sit and an I'll put a fucking off, megaphone and just New yell Zealand at New Ze- and yell at New Zealand. You want to let me in? No. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett for the fiftieth time. <laughs> <laughs> so you have chosen. All right. So. I have started to refer to Mike as Cursed Mike because he can think of the worst things possible in the flip of a moment. Have you ever heard Jimmy Buffett on loop? I, I, have, I have. I have. I've I would worked, rather take I've fucking worked, waterboarding. I, I've, <laughs> I've worked retail, and I will tell you this much. Waterboarding is momentary panic of the fear of drowning. I can deal with that. I've almost drowned before. It is horrific. Oh, yeah. But I almost also... drown every time I get in a fucking pool. I suck at swimming. <laughs> well, but here's the thing is I, I swim like a rock. Yeah, yeah you... me too. <laughs> well, so here's the thing is you you end up with waterboarding. You know, it's temporary because there's a limit of how much they can apply before they let you go. But so then you Jimmy know, Buffett. But J- here's the thing, though. Jimmy Buffett kills the soul. Yeah. If you work in retail and you hear son of a sailor or Margaritaville or, you know, just burger in paradise, like cheeseburger in paradise. If you've heard cheeseburger in paradise like 40, 50 times in a row on loop because Mm -hmm. you work in retail, your soul has died. There is no you have no idea what it's like to have joyful island music or easy listening music blasted into your brain so much. The concept of comfy is gone. It has been erased. There is no concept of base comfort. I I will be the kind of just social terrorist that that New Zealand will never ever be able to forget if they don't let me in their so country. So let's let's ask let's let's flip that because I have one last thing. Oh no, please! If they refuse after the fifth. 5,000 Jimmy Buffett to let me in. I'm like, oh, that's cool. My cruise ship's on its way. No. Oh, no. Looks like, like my cruise ship I picked up in Florida, filled with nothing but Florida passengers, has <laughs> just run aground right <laughs> in your <New> beach. <laughs> Release the oh, Floridans. Oh, no. It tipped over a little bit. That's not going to be easy to remove. <laughs> <laughs> Have fun with all that, because I'll tell you right now, those are some of the worst tourists you will ever have to deal with. Florida, man. Not just that. Florida tourists on a fucking cruise ship. Yeah. Who apparently sailed all the way to New Zealand and 
didn't complain the entire time. That so so <laughs> no, now, they haven't complained the whole time. Now that we've run this this what if to the ground, yeah, <laughs> or a ground, ha 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 ha. See, you could have just let me have a house, but no, you have to now deal with Florida t- tourists. Good luck getting them out of your country. All right, so let's run this on the on, on the inverse. Um, let's say that you are given the total control of a kingdom. Let's say it's the United Kingdom. Let's say it's King Ralph. You're given total control of the kingdom and you find out the only way out of the job, which you hate of king or sovereign of the United Kingdom, the only way out of the job is to be so shit at it and so annoying they fire you and remove you for cause. So what would you do to get fired as the king of England if you inherited the job and didn't want it? Any percent speed run. Oh, any percent, any percent speed run, ruin royalty. Go ban football in England. (laughs) (laughs) So just be like, no more soccer. Then they'd be like, what? No no more football, guys. No more footy. And publicly turn off all the cameras. Oh, Oh, that's like you'd have a palace coup. then. (laughs) (laughs) So wait, they would be like, get the fuck rid of him now. So wait, so you're you're doing the V for Vendetta thing. You're like, (laughs) so as the king, you come out in the Guy Fox mask and you do some crazy speech about (laughs) everything. And then you're like, I have just turned off all the cameras. Do all the crime you want. (laughs) God, that's dark. What about you, camera is the king and be like, there's something very wrong with this country, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, that's that's fucked up. Okay, what I would do is I would dress up like Henry VIII. <laughs> oh, no. um, and, and I would dress up like Henry VIII. And because I look like Henry VIII right before he got really fat, like when he was like in the middleness where he's between just, yeah. fit and fat, like the 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 early years of his he got life. it like he just got an injury and he's yeah. like, yeah, so so he's a little yeah. doughy. I, I can I can pull off that Henry VIII and I'll, I'll I would go around and I would speak the worst made up Tudorian speech <laughs> I could. And I would caper through the streets and I would wear, I would ride horses and I would, I would absolutely LARP the role. Dude, you would just, they'd keep you forever because you would just boost England's tourism revenue by like a thousand percent. Now we must go to war with the godless French. You realize that like <laughs> half of their tourism industry for all the castles and, and royal shit that exists everywhere else in Europe is because they're a real there are quote unquote real monarchs and nobles for those places, right? I I would go around and just be so weird. They would have to get rid of me. Like I would go pay for things with coins minted with my face, and I would just throw them at people. Dirty peasant, do not touch me! I I would I would ride around. I would be like, whip that man. He cast an eye upon me. <laughs> I I would be the the worst king. Hmm. Mike. Well, what would King Mike be like? To any percent get myself out of the job? Yeah. Oh, um, probably just invite all the union leaders for the entire <laughs> for the entire UK just over for dinner every Saturday. Just to have dinner. Yeah, and not I even tell, to talk policy. Just... Yeah, no, all closed door. Nobody's allowed in but us and the union leaders. And I would just have a nice dinner with them. Well, meanwhile, Parliament's pulling their fucking hair out and has no idea. <laughs> 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 they're like this is the eighth week in a row 
what are they talking about? I'm like, yeah, I think that should definitely happen. Hey, how are you guys doing? (laughs) (laughs) That would be, that that would last for like probably maybe a couple of weeks before they start going, you have to tell us what you're doing with them right now. And I'm like, no, I don't. We're just hanging out. You're like, I'm a king. I'm a king. You do, what, what are you going to do? Behead me? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so. I am your lawful king. I'm like, and then I see Cromwell walk up and I'm like, fuck. All right. <laughs> Shit. Oliver um, Cromwell. I got to leave. Um, no. And, or, you know, I would just shut off. Uh, I would just basically just say no driving on Saturday or Sunday. Unless you have a horse. If you have a horse and you ride your horse over a car, not over a car, like, just you would have a horse before you would ever drive a car. Um, no taxes. <laughs> so no taxes whatsoever. Nope. If you own a horse and that's your main source of travel and you don't own a vehicle, no taxes. Oh, God. Everything would be covered in horse shit. Just, yep. just imagine it shows like London one year later and you just as all these guys are having all these you see like Hershey's trying to get freight into the city with like 800 horses pulling a truck because they're like (laughs) they're like just put it in neutral yeah they're just like oh look it's horses yeah you don't have to pay that and then also if you decided to wear mostly Victorian era stuff like as your main wardrobe um, I will give you a tax deduction so a full tax break you're like oh how much do you wear old full three-piece suit Every so like that, you then you like pay oh. taxes with the horses, and if you wear Victorian clothing, you still get money back. Yep, nice. So you could do nothing for a living other than be a Victorian larper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, until the economy implodes. No, the economy wouldn't implode. We still have McDonald's, it. but you, you you just have to go there as a Victorian person. <laughs> I want Victorian era McDonald's. <laughs> Victorian era <laughs> McDonald's. Here's your McTea. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then I would change Big Ben's be- uh, bell to be the uh, McDonald's theme. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. my! Eventually, they Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. have to get rid of me. I'm like, hey, you're the one who wanted to make me king. You got to deal with this. I I would do one of two things to Big Ben just to drive people nuts. I would change the gear size to where the clock ran like ten times faster. So you just see no. Oh, so you, is so f- you just watch it constantly moving. It's constantly in oh, motion. Yeah, that would be kind of that would be yeah, that would be weird. Uh, the other one is just change the gear to where it's it's literally it will bong on every movement. Oh jeez, hmm. everywhere he goes like doom 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 doom. Yeah. So by the time it's finished chiming for fifty nine minutes, it will be time to chime for one minute. Uh, <laughs> so it'll be like instead of chimes on the hour chime on the minute and and then oh my god that would be horrific so you would it would it would be it would bong then a minute would go by bong bong yeah, and then yeah, a minute yeah. would go by bong bong bong, bong 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 and then at 59 it's 59 bongs and has to start over at like three or four over so it's just a constant series of bongs at that point and you're just like living in downtown london you just hear dong dong and you're like ah <laughs> <laughs> the clock i would make i would make 10 minutes 10 minutes past midnight 10 minutes past midnight from like midnight to midnight 10 anything you do in your backyard is legal okay anything oh no i'm done with that policy but i I was gonna say um now i just have every hour i would have the the queen of england i just have her like do a quick like face voice a thing where she just goes 
It's now three o'clock. So you just have her be Hello, like, "Hello, it is now four o'clock." <laughs> so you just wait. So you just have it's half the- past four tea time, and her face would appear on, on the on yeah. Big Ben, ben like as an LED be, screen. And yeah. then oh go, no! Then it would go like, back to a clock. It'd be Doctor. She'd make he'd make uh, Elizabeth the second Doctor Brain from Half Life. Oh my god, no, that no, would be I, horrifying. Well, she just does that. It is now midnight. You should be asleep. And then it is one a.m. Are you asleep? <laughs> Oh God, no! <laughs> and her face is so bright; it's like a fucking lighthouse. So the closer you are to Big Ben, the more you have to like squint because it's so bright. Her, her blinding majesty! <laughs> ah! Take over all the st- TV stations every morning to give like some uh, uh, old school uh, horror uh, children's tales. Oh yeah! Oh, oh. just make them up as you go, just every morning. <laughs> is is like if you were the king you could just be so weird and so unpleasant that people would demand you get removed like mm-hmm. if you if you walked out to get the paper in your underwear every morning they would just be like no you're not allowed to be king anymore that just uh, you you say this text but you're just it sounds like we're just describing prince charles <laughs> yeah. you know you I did fire all the landscapers. Just yeah. let the land go to shit. Yeah. <laughs> just let the land. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So, so like the imperial garden is just completely overgrown with like crabgrass. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a burnout firebird in there. Some pizza all- boxes wedged in the tree. Replace all the royal corgis with barely trained pit, pit bulls that'll just attack dignitaries. <laughs> yeah, just have wild dogs running on the grounds, shitting everywhere. <laughs> import all the homeless from New York City. Oh, yeah, just import them fresh off the boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you you people out there listening are saying, how can you import homeless? Steve and I played a lot of Eve Online. Everything is a commodity. <laughs> Everything's True. a commodity. Homeless is a commodity. Yeah, and New York it, imported a lot of homeless people back in the day. Oh yeah, Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Um but yeah, the the thing is is that when you look at the sort of madness that you could do in a public position and this is maybe the best way to sum up the last 20 years. Every fucked up idea I we've had and giggled at, I've sat there and gone, yeah, I wouldn't blink at that. <laughs> I, I, I just I wouldn't. Like if you were like the head of state just shit his pants on live TV, I'd be like, how long before they call it Brown Gate? Didn't didn't Prime Minister of Australia do that? No, maybe. Yeah, there was a prime minister, not maybe not the current one, but there was like a prime minister of Australia that like publicly shit his pants in a Burger King <laughs> press conference. I'm sorry, they don't call it that there. They call it Hungry Jacks. Hungry Jacks. Yeah. I remember the um. There was that one Australian prime minister that walked out into the water and was never seen again. Didn't he just show up on New Zealand shores or something? No, Mike. Did he like show up and he's like, ah, I Mike, found a new like, land. He, he walks like up eight feet away. Yeah, he, no, he just walks up dressed like Aquaman. I know he wasn't eight feet away. It's, it's like hundreds like, and hundreds of it's miles. It's not like the kiddie pool. It's not like you walk I know. Like, I'm saying he continued to, because he was that strong. He oh, made it all the way there. He was the first man to walk to New Zealand. Yes. All right. <laughs> I, 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 and I, was, I, everyone was very confused about 200 years later how he got there. He's like, well, I got lost near the arctic and then i came back down here i'm home now you yeah. like no this is another island land yeah Ugh. but no it's it's kind of weird because any any of the fucked up ideas we had in reality are not that 
not that odd because I, I've seen so much weird shit come on TV in the past 20 years that I've just, and this sounds so strange coming from my parents' generation that had to do this as part of their daily life. I've just stopped reading and watching the news. Oh, and like, cor- correction like, on the Australian PM thing. Oh, uh, he did that in 97, like 20, 21 years before he became prime minister. So it was just when he was in his 20s. So, okay. Yeah, anyway, back to your, back the to your prime minister who point. walked out to sea and never returned. It's he did that. In no, the dirt no, no, the, the prime minister who shit himself in a McDonald's. Oh, he did that when he was 29 and then 20 after like a footy game. And then 21 years later, he became prime minister. Well, that's that's not bad. No, I, I thought you were talking about the other guys like a ghost prime minister. Yeah, no. Like he disappeared <laughs> at sea. Australian <laughs> gothic. Yeah. And then he comes back and he's like, oh, fiscal policy, you know, and they... <laughs> <laughs> he shows back up on a pirate ship. And you're like, why? It's the flying Dutchman. Yeah. He's come to bring a prime minister back. <laughs> we don't want him. <laughs> Can you imagine Ghost Prime Minister? He's, he's just like, oh, how's everyone doing? How was the weekend? And they're like, God, I hate this guy. Yeah, it was great. I was had a great time. Don't blame me. I voted for Werewolf Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> werewolf Prime Minister. Yeah, he does his job during the day and at night. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I always vote for vote for the occult party. Yeah, exactly. I mean, why? What they do in their nighttime is none of their business. Because why it's vote a, for a lesser evil? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why? Yeah. Well, look, the the courthouse and parliament, all that is closed at night anyway. So why are you worried about them casting and summoning horrible demons from the other world? Shrieking in lights when they're doing it off government property. It's I mean, their isn't, business. Isn't that what our current you know, like really high level elites are doing anyway. What, oh, what, summoning uh, demons? Uh, yeah, doing a cult, doing cultist shit. They've been doing that since like yeah, forever. fucking forever time. That's I'm, not even a surprise to anybody. No, God, if, if eyes wide shut parties and shit. Yeah, if you're telling me that people in power like to put on robes and masks and fuck each other and drink wine out of cups, I'd be like, "Yep, that sounds about right." <laughs> You're just mad because you're not invited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I say about anybody who talks about. I'm like, do you want to join them? Like, no, I y- purge. You're, no, you're, you're, oh, you. Oh, you want to purge? Goat just wants to puke. Oh, <laughs> I thought you. Yeah, no. you made it sound like uh, you're like I want to purge. And I I'm think, like, oh I god, think goat would just. I, do. I think goat would just want to go there just to see it and be like, eh, yeah, I well. I, I have seen some stuff like that, so no, not don't really want to repeat that experience. Well, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> cold, cold. Yeah, well, um, there was that time Stagger ended up in the karate cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was, I almost did too. Um, uh, it, 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 a similar story. What to is his. with the karate cults? Like, I why don't is know. That a thing? You, this is I told you guys this, and it was um, a while back, but. It, it was like I went to I, I wanted to learn Taekwondo yeah. when I was like 17 because I'd never known like learned martial arts. I thought it was cool because I seen it on TV and movies. and I was like, I want to learn to do that. Well, yeah, that's I knew what way- wires were and all that. But I wanted to learn like how to fight and stuff. Well, so yeah, like, when you're a kid, Kung Fu is cool. Yeah. So I was like, OK, I'll go join Taekwondo. And it was like one of those Taekwondo's in a strip mall that you see in Midwest. And that's very common. I say that because I'm sure all of you have seen a a karate studio in a strip mall somewhere. <laughs> so I joined, I go to go join one of these and the guy was like this big, huge dude. And that should have been my first red flag that this is probably not a good Taekwondo place when your Taekwondo master is way over 350 pounds. 
<laughs> Whoa! Yeah, he was like a, 350 pounds fat or 350 pounds. Like, was this guy look like the fat, tank from? Uh, oh, okay, he looked. He straight up looked like the guy who was the stand-in for Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, wow. <laughs> he was a big guy, like very sweaty and hairy. Um, I watched him do Taekwondo, and he moved like anyone who does Taekwondo, but with a fat man's body. And it impressed me because I was like, holy fuck, this guy knows. But I didn't see the mountains of fucking sweat coming off of him. And his wife was also like just slightly smaller than him. But about so the same you went type. to Steven Seagal's. Class. Yes, I went to Steven Seagal's fucking karate studio. So did he kick your ass or? No. So here's what happened. I, he was like, all right, we're going to do a trial one for the first week. And, you know, I had just signed some basic waivers. Like, you know, if I take damage, I'm not going to sue them. You know, that that kind of because. You know, if you go to a Taekwondo studio and then you spar with someone, they punch you and go, like, I'm suing. Like, you know, Americans are weird like that. So, yeah, I was like, okay, cool. Um, and I read that waiver because the next part of the story will make sense in a second. So, I go in there the first week and we're doing, like, basic, like, running drills and stuff to, like, build up your cardio. And then, you know, they teach me, like, basic uh, stuff like kicking and, like, hammer strike and basic attacks how to defend yourself more so than to uh, actually attack anybody and then they were like okay for your final test you got to break this board with your hand now these karate boards are supposed to split in the middle like the ones they buy for karate studios and i've broken some wood in my time uh by accident because i like to wrestle and so breaking that was not going to be a problem for me so here's how i knew it was a cult they were all gathered around me in a circle sitting on their knees and they all started saying some kind of weird prayer that I didn't know what it was all about. I'm sure it was something to do with Taekwondo, but I never learned it. I was like, okay, this is kind of weird. And then he brings out on a pillow, the fucking like boards. <laughs> what? Like this weird, like Chinese, like, like it's a relic, like it's a relic, but it had like this uh, kind of drapery off the front with like, uh, I'm, I'm assuming Chinese letters. I don't know my Asian languages that well to, I was thinking more like a, a wedding ring with the little ring boy bringing it up. Kind of like that, <laughs> so but like a, like, a, like you're a, now one it's of like, us. It's like a wide red pillow with like this thing hanging off it with like some kind of words on the front. I don't know what it was. And there were multiple boards on there. And I'm assuming it was like in my head, I was like, oh, this is like the difficulty. Like here's the easy and medium and hard. And like that's where my head went. And they set this down and then they put it out there and they're like, okay, break the first board. So I do the camera strike and I break it. And it was so easy to break that I, I feel like I could have just done it with both my hands easily. <laughs> just pulled it apart. Yeah. Yeah. Second one, same exact thing. Third one, there was a little bit of resistance, but not enough to make me like go, oh, that was harder. They were clapping and cheering and then they tried to raise me up. And I was like, no, 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 don't do that. I don't know what that was all about. I, I seriously thought it was a fever dream I was having. So I, <laughs> I, I leave, I come back, and he has new papers for me to sign to join this fucking karate cult thing. Is like, uh, basically, I forego all of my rights to privacy, and he wanted my social security number, like, and everything on this very official-looking contract that I read through in front of him. Because I was like, well, hold on, because he was already getting me to sign stuff, and I was like, well, I like to at least skim some of the documents so I know what I'm signing up for. And a lot of things kind of uh, took me out, uh, like kind of, you know, the basic waivers of like, we can use your image for photos. That's perfectly fine. You know, voices, whatever. But then there was stuff like, we need your address and your social security number um, so we can also do a credit check on you. And I was like, why? Why do you need a credit check on me? I'm just joining the karate studio. 
oh, we're just make sure that you'd pay your thing on time. I'm like, this isn't a credit bureau, bitch. What the fuck? No. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hold up. What? And he was like, well, you don't have to put the social security. I'm just going to wipe that out. I was like, no, 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 no. We're not whiting out anything. Oh, what is this document you're trying to have me sign? And I just kept reading through it. And it was stuff like um, that I was required to be there on specific days, regardless of whatever was happening. I'm like, no. No, like this is, and I was like, this is weird. And I left. I, I like never went back there. He wanted like $150 of me to sign that contract. I'd be a little freaked out. I was. I drive past it every now and then trying to see if it's still there. And it is. If you guys want, I can show it to you on Google Maps. It's yeah. just a fucking little strip mall karate studio right near where my aunt and uncle lives. Jesus. That's the whole story. No, it just makes me wonder because Stagger told a very similar story, but his was a little more sinister about his karate cult where they're like, we need a guy to get into medical fields and stuff like that. Like, they Oh, were, God, yeah. yeah. They were like trying to select members who would train really hard, but also go get day jobs that were useful to the organization. And It sounds like a fucking Canon Films movie. Yeah, and, and so having watched American Ninja last night, yeah, I, I, I would say that. But that's what Stagger got cut up in. So it makes me wonder how many of these like little Mick Dojos uh, that are out there. Project Mayhem's real man. Yeah. <laughs> My God. Delta Green uh, Delta Green handlers, take notes. <laughs> yeah, please. Do you I remember don't, working I don't for know what... uh, the Bandit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, so, I don't so, know. I don't me, mean, wasn't he in a cult? Oh yeah, my he kinda god! Kinda was, wasn't he? No, no, there was. Um, you talking about the movie? No, no, no. no. Oh, he, we call him the Bandit because he looked like the character. All right, oh. so way back in the day, Steve and I. This is how Steve and I met. Way back in the day, two thousand uh, five, six, seven. In that window, sounds yeah. about right. Um, yeah, so two thousand five, I would say. Because uh, you hadn't been out that long, your hair was yeah, still and that very was my short. First job after I yeah got yeah out, yeah so. yeah. So so in Colorado Springs there was this security company that was really shit, and Steve and I both worked for the security company that was really shit, and it was a shit security company, and it was run by this guy that we called the Bandit because he looked like he was wearing the Smokey and the Bandit uh, costume from the the, the Burt Reynolds. Um, you know, costume from, mm -hmm. from smoking the bandit. That's how he dressed all the time. And he had the, he had the 1970s hair and the 1970s mustache. This guy claimed to be everything from a Navy seal to like an LAPD, like instructor to all mm -hmm. of these different things. And this guy was a nut because he always had different random vehicles parked next to his house. You know, like an armored truck, a yeah. school bus. Yeah, uh, like 20, 30, 55 gallon drums of like diesel. Remember when he had that, that he had, he had bought a bunch of old diesel drums and he was like, this will come in handy when the world ends. And we're like, what? I remember when the armored truck was there. Uh, yeah, that was if wild. they had, uh, ar armed guards or someone going to an armed site and they needed to borrow a, one of his, uh, revolvers, he kept it in the armored truck and called it his armory. Yeah, he, he was such a wild, weird guy. There were so many weird guys at that at that security company. There was Batman. <laughs> yeah, he was fun. 
Yeah, that guy was he was a short dude that was bald and had frizzy hair and a weird mustache. And like a white Ford Taurus with like a huge Batman sticker in the rear window. Yeah. And so he was like, if you called him, he I'm not going to say his name, but he would say, this is Colonel blah, 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 a.k.a. Batman. If over, you need me. Radio. Yeah. No, it was on his phone. If you called his phone. Oh, yeah. His message. Yeah. yeah. He would say he would refer to himself as Batman. And and he he would like show up with his Taurus SHO and be like, but it wasn't even an SHO. It's just a normal Taurus. No, no, it was. It had. Sorry, sir. It had the SHO stickers on Uh-oh. it. He was one of those guys. He was. He was. Uh, I need to fake having an SHO. That is. That is who he was. What is. What is that? Super high output. It was Ford paired with Yamaha to produce a kind of a gutsier uh, V6 engine for the Taurus line to sell as kind of like a GT Taurus. And they called it the SHO. Um, And they were kind of uh, an attempt to make something relatively Mustang-ish out of the Taurus body. It It was was like a sporty sedan kind of concept. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I, I, I realize like I'm nodding and I'm like, I have no idea what an SHO is. Yeah, and it was just kind of a weird pairing. Um, and, and they did it once and it was okay. But it was kind of like saying, I have a Chrysler Sebring. You just go, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, that's that's nice. But it's it's not it's not one of those things that makes people go sploosh. You know, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't really drive anybody. Was, we had Batman. Yeah, we had Batman. We had the uh, hardcore guy that like worked out, had big muscles, was just like super aggressive about everything he did. Oh, yeah. The guy who was like, I'm going to join the special forces. I'm going to be in the army and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, no, you're not. You work for a security company in Colorado. And you've already been here three years. You've had plenty of time to join the army and actually do this. Yeah. And that was when the army was taking everybody. Yeah. Like, like you'd, you'd show up and be like, I'm blind. And they're like, sign here. No, here. There's yeah. a waiver. <laughs> here, let me guide your hand. Yeah. You'll be in the infantry. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was it was an interesting time to be sure. But God, that that security company was a fucking dump. And I remember like guarding the projects. Uh, they, they put us down to guard the projects. The cops wouldn't even go down there and we had to guard the projects as in and, like the housing projects. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because there were shootings yeah. and property theft and everything. We had to guard the projects and we weren't allowed to do a lot of stuff there. It was an unarmed site. We weren't allowed to have a gun. Oh, that's, that's kind of scary for $6 and 35 cents an hour. And when you first showed up, the first thing you had to do was walk around the building and count the bullet holes in case there were new ones. The, yeah, that Holy was shit. that was part of the procedure for the site, like to document all the new bullet holes, uh, damaged doors, doors kicked in, signs of violence, um, drug paraphernalia. Yeah. yeah, write all that down to report it to property management. The tow truck drivers wouldn't show up. Oh yeah, if you like it, you tell them where you were, and they and then the tow truck company would just hang up on you. Yeah, or if they did show up, they'd be like, "Oh Jesus Christ! All right, uh, what is it? It's an Escalade. Okay, I'll come get that." And the guy would come with like three guns. Like he would have right. two guns on the seat when he started the tow and one in his hand. Yeah. The one time I got a tow truck driver to show up, he looked at me, realized it wasn't Tex who had a 12 gauge. And he looked at me and said, are you armed? 
And he would not get out of his truck unless I was standing there with a gun. So, so you were, hang on, so Tex, you were supposed to be there on arm, but you went and you brought a, a 12 gauge anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. uh, the first night I was there, I had two different people stick guns in my face. Mm-hmm. So the third night I was there, I had the Remington 870 and I just walked around with that and that seemed to sell things pretty okay because mm-hmm. Like, I, I had the hearse. Yeah. Steve drove a hearse at the time. That, so. that saved me a lot of problems, made a lot of problems. Sites very quiet when I rolled up. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Like, here comes the hearse, and everyone's like, oh, shit. Who's Security's this fucking serious now. <laughs> <laughs> we're, ag- we're, we're expediting. Yeah. <laughs> we don't Just, call an ambulance. I'm not calling the cops. I'm taking you to the morgue. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, it was, that was a rough site, man. Cause we're, we're not just trying to say like, oh, it was low income housing. It must have been bad. There was regular, regular violence yeah. there. Yeah. There was and, the crack house across the street and they had regular uh, gang fights. Yeah. Gang and gun fights. I mean, it was, it was a really rough place. And for $6 and 35 cents an hour plus no health care. Yeah. And, that's shit. You couldn't get something at fucking Macca's, McDonald's. No. Huh? It was it was tough times, man. Oh yeah, this was right around the time of the recession. Yeah, right. so you take what you can mm-hmm. fucking get. I didn't and, have a job at all during the recession. Yeah, so it's, recession. It, well, a lot of people fucking didn't, and so you you took what you could fucking get, and you got by. And it's it's sadly like the last twenty years. If there's been any major casualty, I would like to say that it has probably been my sense of of like innocence, in the sense of if someone came to me open handed. And said, Tex, you're a good person. I want you to have this. I'm like, what are you up to? <laughs> and it's it's it, it, it it's caused me to cast doubt. I have I've become very cynical over the past 20 years. Yeah, but you still got people to do that and you accepted it and it, it was good. Yeah, I know. But several it's, times it's one of those things where it's it's had a casualty. And I'm just now starting to really analyze that with like therapy and everything, trying to start to look at how my life has shaped me and trying to take time for myself. But the last 20 years have been this like fucking roller coaster of experiences. And and when I see people who have never faced all of this craziness saying, man, you know, right now is hard. I'm like, the last 20 years have been fucking crazy. One thing after another. And some people think it just started in 2020. You no. know, it's it's like, no, if, if, if you watch the way things have been fucking going. Yeah, I, I would say let's walk back to Katrina. Let's walk back to, uh, you know, Iraq 2003 mission accomplished shit. Let's 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 walk back all these things. I, I remember when you didn't have to have some crazy asshole grab your ass eight times to get on an airplane. I, I remember when you could meet your family at the gate. <laughs> I, 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 I remember when, you know, when, when you saw a crazy shit uh, about dystopian security stuff, you'd be like, Oh, this is a sci-fi movie. Not this is five months from now. I remember going like flying and like st- having a layover at a airport and not having any problem or concern about going outside for a cigarette and having to worry about getting back through security in time to catch your flight. I remember when when people were just kind of wonderfully unaware <laughs> of there being bad shit out there. Like like it was this is America. Like bad things happen over there, not here. Not here. Like our our tragedies tend to be more man-made, not military. I mean, we're a nation that hasn't had a proper invasion in a very 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 long time. And even then, it was a very, very, very small part. Yeah. So it's one of those things where we don't see the world in that way. We kind of see the world in this weird, abstracted Hollywood way. Because well, no, it, yeah, well, nobody wants to to really 
take America um, or at least invade it because we, we've literally become the biggest infrastructure in the world that everyone else relies on. Now. Well, yeah, we have an utterly pervasive economy, which means you take us down and it's like you watch your own country go up in flames. Well, we yeah. don't even have to fire a shot. That's how fucked up it is. Well, yeah, we could cause more damage with Amazon than we probably could with our Navy right now. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, we, we could just be like, hey, you know, all that stuff in your cloud. Bye. <laughs> and you yeah, you can cripple whole sections of economies. Well, economic devastation and stop the great powers of World War One from fighting each other. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, but that that was different back then. Mm-hmm. Way different. Mass communication has changed the landscape and the way we engage with other people. You can't just take that away and then go, Well, now we can do World War One shit. Once we have mass communication, World War One shit ain't happening anymore. Wars get smaller but longer. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's the thing is that low intensity conflict. Yeah. Sustained low intensity conflict. Twenty to thirty years is average for what's called a bush war. And mm-hmm. that's just what happens. You fight a low intensity conflict because you look at Vietnam, we lost sixty three thousand Americans. You look at Iraq and Afghanistan, we lost more people to the VA. Yeah, the wars the, the physical wars of boots on the ground becomes more of a small part of the larger economic warfare right. instead of the main focus of the war. So here's here's the thing. Let's do a funny what if to kind of round out the end of the podcast. Just because we are we are vacillating between these really deep conversations, but also really funny, <laughs> fucked up, weird ideas. So it's a normal conversation. We have, for we have us, a though. sense of humor. It, yeah, we have we have a fun sense of humor. We talk about the start shit and then we make fun of it. Yeah. And and that's what we want to encourage is people mocking the world because that's that's how we all get by as we just point at shit and laugh. Clown world. See enough terrible shit and a dark sense of humor well, becomes necessary. Yeah, well, I agree. Well, how about this for me then to you three? What what in the last 20, 20 years have been the most positive thing that you've experienced? See, now that is a great fucking question. Because I feel like nobody ever talks about, okay, not just yourself, but also the the world around you okay good Cause, fucking cause, question because nobody ever thinks to look at the good things no that no 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 because the negative shit is no, what really shakes you awake i agree you know? the negative shit slaps you awake because mm-hmm. you get into a fog of complacency yeah and then the bad shit happens and you're like oh i didn't spend enough time with granddad now he's dying and, yeah. and that slaps you out of that and you try to reconnect and all that yeah that's normal life is on autopilot until the plane crashes so thing i'm grateful for i think it's amazing and and this is just off the top of my head. I know a lot of people are going to start screaming about tax. What about XYZ that's way bigger? But just off the top of my head, I am grateful for Dwarf Fortress because mm-hmm. if you look at the era of gaming, the first Atari boom and all that other stuff, and then you looked at the era of gaming in the 90s, both of those eras of gaming would not have allowed Dwarf Fortress to happen. But the modern era of support two crazy guys building what the fuck they want and making it deeper and deeper and deeper and crazier and crazier and crazier and allowing these guys to create a generational game that just keeps going. That's beautiful to me. You see these two guys who in the flight of any or in the face of ever trying to make this profitable, just doing it Two artists working to work. And spending a lifetime doing it, seeing that, having been witness of watching people create something like this and things like that in my lifetime that would have not been possible in any other generation. This is generation one for I'm going to create something and share it with the world and have enough of the world see it to matter. Because if you created anything with two people a 100 years ago, it would have to be a fucking airplane or something for people to even notice. It would have to change the world. Now, even more mundane people can create these really cool type projects like Tech Talks Battletech. A generation ago, we couldn't have made that. 
No. Not between the two of us. Not without... Uh, a studio. Not without doing what uh, Robert Rodriguez did, which he was the pioneer of that for, for the most part, because he took a... He basically took uh, and made uh, a movie with a Hollywood look and a Hollywood style with, for like $5,000. Yeah, and it's we would we would have to do that. And nobody to, was doing that. No one would encourage that either. Well, yeah, and the the thing is is that I I really think that if if we were born in any generation prior to this, we wouldn't have been able to be as creative and expressive. I mean, shit, if if I were born in any other generation other than this, I wouldn't know half the people I know and yeah. have half the success I do. Well, and, and the, a good thought to have about that is um, there are a lot of people who like dream about the past and living in the other generations of, of, of prior times or they would they feel like they'd be more at home there. But the thing is, is like they also thought the same thing about their ancestors and then their ancestors and then they're yep. going all the way back. And this is not like something new, but all of them dealt with whatever thing that was going on in their own time. And this is what they created and we're benefiting from all of it. You know, all the growth that we've made up to this point. And there's a lot of bad shit, but there was also all the bad shit that was happening back then that was happening daily. We just hear about it now because mass communication makes it easier for us to hear the first shot before anybody else. But yeah, I agree with you. I think that nowadays it's so much easier to be exposed to information that could be upsetting. But yeah. you also have the same ability to find like cats with a few keystrokes that are like playing in balls and stuff. So I I think that ultimately the point is, is even though the past 20 years have been kind of crazy, I I think that none of us has really made sense of it. And perhaps we won't. Well, what are some of the good things that you guys in the last 20 uh, years? I've been dealing with a lot of mental health <laughs> issues from more than a decade now. So it kind of disconnected from a lot of external shit like society. Yeah, but like but, for you personally, what have you experienced in the last 20 years that you feel like has been a benefit? Oh, I can't really think of anything specific, but I generally try to, you know, make notice of small things in my life that have yeah. more of a positive impact. That's what I mean. You know, I've learned to uh, kind of stop and smell the roses, not get caught up too much in crazy yeah. shit. That's a good mindset to have. What about you, Goat? Well, I've been glad I've been able to come into adulthood in my own right. Yeah. What do you mean? Just be independent. Um, I mean, part of this is a cultural thing because, shoot, I mean, a lot of people my age that I was going to school with in Brazil are probably only just now moving out of their parents' household and, and being married. And Well, I mean, I'm not getting married, but it's only like at around my age now that people I would have been growing up with in Brazil would have been moving out of their parents' household. Um, okay. And a lot of it is also just being able to mature and, and get over a lot of issues that I struggled with a lot throughout childhood and adolescence that I didn't think I'd necessarily be able to deal with. Hmm. Some good shit, man. Some raw shit, but good shit. So let's, let's end this on a good thing. Let's say that you are allowed to shape U.S. foreign policy in one way. In one way to make the next 20 years a little better, what would you do? I think, and here's my choice. I think I would build downtown right across from the White House of every nation on this planet. I would build a 7-Eleven and I would make it the nicest, bestest 7-Eleven. And I would have that be my point of contact 
with the American people. So you'd come in there, Pyongyang, Moscow, Delhi, wherever. You walk in there, there's that 7-Eleven. There's that smiling American. What can I do for you, sir? And you use that to be your best foreign policy. Trade, politeness, service. Yeah. And you show people American products. You can be mad at us or you can have Coca-Cola, but you can't have both. You can be mad at us or you can get your free slushy because this is 7-Eleven. Yeah. But not both. You show them a little bit of that American service industry. Yeah, that's what I mean. You show them service. You, you show them a, a, a little slice of a slightly better life and a momentary joy that can be had. Yeah. Like I remember going to a dinner with some visitors from outside the country and like my mom's dish or her steak or something was made wrong and she sent it back not once but twice. And then the uh, manager came out, comped her meal and apologized personally. And they were just like, holy crap. No, they just be like, no, nah, eat your food, accept it as it is. Yeah. You know, like it was just very different and kind of shocking to them that you could do that and, you know, send your food back and get it and get it right. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like that would be my American foreign policy standpoint would just be I'm going to be super fucking nice to everybody, not not pushover. Like if someone wants to start shit, I'll be like, oh, whoa, let's not be let's not do that. But my foreign policy stance would be if a country has a beef with us, I am just I'm not going to yell at them and I'm not going to demean them. I'm going to say nice things about them until they show up in public to tell me to stop. So, like, if Pyongyang starts doing nuclear tests, I'd be like, man, my friend Korea, he has the nicest hair. And you, and they're like, glorious leader has great hair. And I'm like, I know. I said so. Isn't it great? And, and you just you just do the Mr. Rogers thing and you get them to come out. You give them compliments. You're a really strong country. I bet everyone knows that. And they're like, oh, well, thank you. And, you know, you get them to slowly come out of there. And I, I think I would Mr. Rogers my way uh, through through some of the troubled parts of the world. It would make it kind of hard for them to be like, oh, I hate America when, you know, instead of coming over and being angry or threatening them, you're just like, oh, you have some very nice shoes. I, I, yeah, just just say this nice. This park things. is amazing. I love this. You guys are trying so hard and I really appreciate that. I think if you all try real hard, you'll make your country even better. I bet your leader's proud of you. <laughs> and you just you just say wholesome things mm. and hand candy to everyone. Uh, Steve, what would your foreign policy choice be? I have no idea. <laughs> That's fair. Go. Scale back aid and bases. Scale back aid and bases. Yeah, military bases. Oh, that's fair. And just stop dumping aid into that and invest it back into our own poverty issues. Reasonable. It's a lot of that, and a lot of that foreign aid is propping up poverty in other countries too. If you're gonna get like, a, if like, if you're gonna be getting free shirts and food, why are you gonna invest in your own agriculture and textiles? You're not even gonna be able to compete, Mike. Um, I'm going to give every uh everyone that uh believes that they can have a space program a chance to go to space. Oh, I like that. Yeah. If you go to space with yeah. your country and uh, you are able to go to space even further than the other countries, we will subsidize it. No way. So so you're giving people, you're rewarding them like Kerbal Space Program. Yep. So so you're like, <laughs> God. If you can get to 63 miles. Yeah, we'll give you a we'll give you a bonus. We'll send you some extra shit. We might even tell McDonald's, hey, not that country. You're not allowed there. <gasps> that would be so nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the I'm the sh I'm the bad cop here. 
Yeah, I know you're doing the bad cop of foreign policy. But it's also like something I studied. Well, yeah, you have a degree in it. Yeah. It's 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 one of those things. But I, I like the idea of just the random. The meme answers are funnier. I, th- I Well, I think that could actually foster a lot of competition. Like, if you told globally, yeah. like, hey, the U.S. government has a $1 trillion prize, $1 trillion prize to build the first permanent sustainable moon base. Yep. Like you basically would subsidize that like you did the U.S. railroad. I will pay per mile there for every mile you fucking lay. I you, will. You pay have to you. make a sustainable transportation that allows you to go back and forth from the moon base. And, uh, you know, if you want to go even further, mine asteroids. Hey, if you can make that work. We'll subsidize the fuck out of that. We'll even give you American workers. Yeah. I if mean, it's if it works. <laughs> so NASA just so you just like. State Department just like kicks down the door to NASA and it's like, okay, you, you, and you, you're coming to Brazil. <laughs> no! <laughs> Brazil says they're going to do it. You're going. <laughs> I just imagine it's just like this this uh, really colorful rocket they send up there. Yeah, but it just it's, says, come to Brazil. Yeah. Yeah, it, Brasilia. It's like they send the, the fucking like the golden disc with like the two naked dudes. Uh, you know, when we sent the Vitruvian uh, man. Yeah, we sent uh, no two not, naked not, dudes, not the Vitruvian man. It was a dude and a lady. Brazil would have that, but it would all but everything would just be come to Brazil and then just samba. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> come to yeah. Brazil. Not like there's anything wrong Brazil. with the idea of someone sending two dudes on a disc up there or anything, but that I don't remember that happening. Uh, no, it's like etchings of, of uh, I know, naked it's, dude. Yeah, Carl remember. Sagan was yeah. a part of that. That's why I was just like, I What if remember. Carl Sagan put himself on it and nobody, Yeah, just completely naked? No, that's what I mean. Like every image on there is that he swapped it at the last minute. Like yeah. that that's his that's his legacy. He's like, I will live forever. He's like, I will live forever i mean it beats the first interstellar object uh that beat that manhole cover yeah probably <laughs> that manhole cover from the nuclear test um it's okay it's coming voyager's coming back it's co- it's gonna come back to earth it's gonna be way bigger way angrier is it gonna wipe out some space stations on the way here maybe some klingons too yeah apparently all those people yeah <laughs> star trek the yep. motion picture coming yep. volve time yep Sorry. <laughs> Just uh I got that Brazil the, the, NFL the, theme stuck in my head. It's Fox, samba. Yeah, Fox Sports Brazil's. Oh yeah. Theme. Yeah, that is amazing. It's it's amazing if you've not heard it. Anyways, this podcast has meandered on. Uh hope you guys uh enjoyed. Just wanted to shoot a podcast with my friend Steve here and let everyone here his interesting point of view from the events of the last 20 years and some of the events that sparked them remember harambe you're up in heaven we're trapped here now <laughs> God help us all. it all started with that ape <laughs> <laughs>